Hey, everyone. I just wanted to pop in here to introduce this very special guest that I have on today's episode. Her name is Rachel Hiles, and she is my very amazing editor at Chronicle Books. We're going to be chatting about my new book, After the Rain, that's coming out October 13th of this year, and that is currently on pre-order. You can find the link to pre-order in the episode notes, and I hope that you will do that. I am very excited for this book to come to the world. It is part memoir, part tool um, to supporting us all in our healing, our transformation, and I'm sharing quite a bit of personal stories in here that will make you laugh, that might make you cry, and hopefully that will help you see yourself on the page. Rachel shares a bit about her process to becoming an editor, why she decided to join this career, and what self-care looks like through her individuality. And I am just beyond pleased to have had Rachel share space with me in this way. So no more rambling. I hope you enjoyed this episode and please pre-order After the Rain. I am so excited for you to get your hands on it. Hi, I'm Alex L. and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Hey, girl. Rachel, I am thrilled to have you on the show. How are you? I'm well. I'm feeling so happy to be here. And it's a real honor to get to chat with you because I feel like often I don't get to dialogue with my authors out in the world. So I can't wait to talk about your work and how we've worked together. So before we get started, please let the Hey Girl listeners know who you are and what you do. I am Rachel Hiles. I'm an editor at Chronicle Books, and I am the lucky editor of Alex L's upcoming After the Rain book. Yay! Yay. <laughs> I am smiling so big right now. We have like <laughs> been bringing this beautiful book into fruition for like months and months, and I just got to hold it a few weeks ago, and wow, you guys outdid yourself. Well, we couldn't have done it without you, and thank you for trusting in the process. I can honestly say this is one of the most positive editorial experiences I've ever had, and so I just can't wait to share this book with the world. Oh my goodness, same, same, same. Let's talk about how you came to be as an editor, and also what the experience was like working with me through this process, because, you know, I think folks always want to know about kind of the writing process, the editing process how to get started and what my process looks like. So before we dive into all of that, I want you to give some background on how you decided that editing was the life that you wanted to create and your love for books and all that jazz. So I'll let mm -hmm. you take it from here. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, I started on my path to becoming an editor first thinking that I wanted to be a writer. And so, you know, throughout, I majored in English in college. I actually went to journalism school at Berkeley because I thought I wanted to be a journalist. And what I learned through my experiences writing and sort of dipping my toe in journalism was that I actually much preferred to be sort of the person behind the scenes rather than the person person writing. Of course, being an editor involves quite a lot of writing, but I am more interested and frankly better at helping other people tell their stories mm -hmm. than I am at sort of creating something out of nothing on my own. And I think, you know, being an editor, I think some people think that being an editor 
is like having a red pen and just like marking, <laughs> marking someone else's work and sort of slashing and burning. And sure, there is an element of literal editing to being an editor. But to me, being an editor or certainly being a good editor is so much more than that. And, you know, I was recently speaking to a colleague at another publishing house and she was saying, being an editor is really emotional labor. Mm. Um, You know, it's holding space for your author's voice and making sure that they are telling the story that they need to tell in their voice. So it's getting out of the way so that you're not imposing your own voice and agenda on theirs, but you're also working with them to make sure that they're being clear and they're speaking to their audience and reaching their audience. And then you're working with a designer who has their own aesthetic and rules and Mm -hmm. perspective. And then you're working with your sales team who wants it to be this or that, or wants the cover to look this way or that way in order to reach the accounts. And then you're working with marketing and you're working with publicity and you're also sort of representing your house as a business. And, you know, you're asking your house to invest in the authors that you want to promote. So, Mm. you know, I think there's this whole sort of ecosystem that editors are at the center of. And it takes a lot of sort of finesse to make sure that you're making people feel heard and seen and that you're anticipating fires before they, you know, get out of control. It's listening, a lot of listening. I think I didn't really realize that at first when I was entering this industry, but it's Mm -hmm. actually what I love most about editing is how deeply personal it is. Um, And I think, you know, that is just the longer I'm in this career, I've been an editor, um, let's see, I'm 33. And I started when I was 21. So 12 years, which is kind of amazing. And the longer I'm in it, the more I realize that that sort of emotional work is central to what I love, but it's also work. You know, it's a lot of work. Mm, I love all of those points. And working with you firsthand felt really supportive. And I came from a house that wasn't that way. So being able to like really feel seen and held, heard and supported in my work just gave me so much permission to show up on the page in my most authentic way. And what I really loved about our time together with After the Rain was you gently challenged me to dig deeper and to think a little harder about what I was trying to say when my thoughts weren't like super clear or flushed out. And that felt really good. I was talking to a girlfriend of mine earlier and I said, After the Rain feels like my big girl book. It feels Mm. like this really career shifting and just emotionally stretching body of work that I am so excited for people to get their hands on. And I just want to extend gratitude to you for really holding space for me. Like you did that and it made this process really like easy. (laughs) I really appreciate hearing you say that. And, you know, the feeling is mutual. I think you, I was so happy to have you hear my suggestions, but also I remember there were places where I would suggest something and you would say like, no, I that's not what I want this to be. I remember in particular, you know, we were talking about the opening of the book and Mm -hmm. I think I wanted to soften it a little bit because I wanted it to be sort of like a gentle easing into the story. And you were like, I don't want to mess around and pretend this is something it isn't. Mm -hmm. I want people to feel seen and I want people to know that like, this is hard stuff and we're talking about hard stuff and I am here for them. 
And I think, you know, when you said that, I thought, you know, I really understood like where your line was and it made me recognize like what this was and what this wasn't. And Mm -hmm. I appreciated those boundaries. And I also appreciated that when you realized that I was right or, Mm -hmm. you know, or pushing you in the right direction, then you rose to that. So I think, you know, that's what ideally the author-editor relationship looks like. It's a really healthy tension and communication. And, you know, as you know, like we went through several rounds in the manuscript phase, the copy editing phase, the design phase, like it's an iteration. And, you know, if we looked at it now, we would probably be like, and here are other places we want to tweak and grow. I think, you know, books are alive and there's Mm -hmm. always ways that you can shape them and reshape them. But I'm in a lot of ways, this book was certainly the most personal book I've worked on in terms of the authors sharing such personal stories and wisdom. So it taught me a lot too about, you know, how to give feedback when the stories are about loss and Mm -hmm. grief and marriage and family, which is very different than giving feedback on a gardening book or a yoga book or some of the other projects that I love dearly, but are certainly not coming from such a personal place. Are you a social drinker? Do you enjoy wind down Wednesdays with your girlfriends on Zoom after work? Did you have a little bit too much to drink once and woke up with a hangover? Well, Goody's Hangover is more than the natural supplements you've seen before for treating hangovers. With a history rooted in analgesics and putting an end to tough pain, Goody's Hangover has the right formula to stop pain fast and provide a boost of alertness. Goody's Hangover Powder temporarily relieves minor aches and pains due to hangover, headaches, or muscle aches. It also helps restore mental alertness when experiencing fatigue or drowsiness associated with a hangover. It's also easy to use. You can toss it back or mix it with water or any other non-alcoholic beverage of your choice. Goodies understands that you can't afford to let a hangover slow you down. And for a hangover that is real tough, you need real medicine. Now you can have a fun night on Zoom with your girls without worrying about the next morning. Goodies hangovers. Real medicine for real hangovers. Fast relief with a boost of alertness. So to shift gears just a little bit, what do you love most about working at Chronicle? And how has your career as an editor bloomed over the years? I mean, you've been in this work for so, so long. What has it taught you about community and about just showing up as your truest and full self? Mm -hmm. Chronicle is, for me, just a dream place to work. It is a incredibly supportive and collaborative environment. And I think it's mostly women sort of between mid-20s and late 40s, I would say. And there are a lot of mothers. Hmm. So, you know, in publishing, sorry for anyone who's thinking about going into publishing, is not a get rich field. (laughs) (laughs) People, you know, are don't necessarily have childcare beyond school, they show up, they do the work, 
They work so hard and then they have to go home to their families. And we have really clear boundaries about work time and personal time, which I think is an incredible gift and certainly um, not necessarily true across publishing. Chronicle was founded in the summer of love in San Francisco. (laughs) And I think that sort of like radical, open-minded spirit continues in our publishing. You know, we we like to say that our publishing is designed to surprise and delight readers. And so we're not looking to follow trends. We're looking to sort of set new trends. And we want people to see our books in the world and say, like, that's something I didn't even know I needed. Mm. Um, And so, you know, certainly from a design perspective, you know, we have such elevated, thoughtful, interesting, engaged design team. And we have amazing production teams that really work on creating things that feel so special and one of a kind so that you know people are proud to not only own these objects but also like they're really easy to interact with Mm -hmm. they sort of like encourage engagement in a really meaningful way and they also make for really beautiful gifts like I think when we think about our publishing when I think about someone giving a book that I've edited to someone they care about I want it to be like a symbol of seeing them you know Mm -hmm. I want somebody to be like wow you really know me because you chose this very unique special one-of-a-kind thing and I think that that is sort of a through line in all of our publishing. I think for me personally, Chronicle has allowed me to really explore my interests. And Mm. I think that's something that is unique to Chronicle. You know, I have really been given a lot of uh, free reign to create a list that reflects my interests and passions. And I think we do our best work when, you know, that's what we're doing. Before I was at Chronicle, I worked at a Buddhist magazine for five years. And that was such an enriching and enlightening experience in many, many ways. But at some point, I realized, like, I didn't want to read or edit or write about Buddhism mm. or, or only Buddhism anymore. Yeah. yeah. And what would editing be like if I could be working on things that I was really, really passionate about and already exploring in my own life? And that's what Chronicle encourages its editors to do because they know that if you're immersed in a category, if you're the audience for the category, yep. you're going to do your best work. So um, I think that that has been such a blessing in, in my role there is sort of being allowed to explore my interests and then give voice to people that I'm finding um, on my own. Mm, I love that. Give voice to people. That is so powerful. After the Rain is debuting to everyone October 13th, 2020. And I am so just like words can't really explain how excited I am. So I'm not even going to try to do that. But I wanted to ask you, what was your favorite part of editing After the Rain? And do you have a favorite lesson? I have a favorite lesson, but I want to know if you have one. You know, I love the first lesson. Me too. (laughs) And in some ways it feels so different than everything else because it's far more lighthearted and like I actually laughed out loud reading (laughs) parts of it and then rolled my eyes at reading parts of it. And, you know, for people who read the book, Alex and I actually moved the lessons around during the editing process. And it was really interesting to sort of think of like, what's the right pacing? Because it's not necessarily linear. Yeah. And I think I'm really, I just love where we ended up because I think change sets the tone, invites people in, helps people sort of understand, not necessarily a moment 
that you realized you wanted to change your life, but sort of like the everything that led to that period, which really, I think, sets the context for the rest of the book. So I think change is my favorite. And I'm so glad. So for folks listening, like I forgot to mention that the book is split up into 15 lessons and change is the first lesson that we start the book with. And I am so happy that we went that route because you're right. It is lighthearted. I read it in its, you know, full edited glory. And I was laughing like this. (laughs) And because I could put myself back in those years, in those places. And I was like, whoa, like this is great. And it was funny. And it really did set the tone. It didn't just start off kind of emotional, right? It builds up to the tender moments that are going to be on the page. And I'm really glad I listened to you there because it was just a great call. It was a great call. Change is absolutely my favorite. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) So do you have any questions for me on this process? And I don't know, I'm open to being on the other side of the questions. What a crazy year. What a roller coaster. I think, you know, You are someone who already, I think we've always known, I've always understood that self-care is radical work. You know, it's so much more than lighting a candle or taking a bath or getting a massage. I'm not knocking any of those things, but, you know, I think self-care can be a buzzword. And what I've learned from After the Rain and following you for the past few years is that this is like a radical revolutionary practice that involves so much intention and is a never-ending process. And I'm just wondering, you know, how you're doing and how you're balancing that right now. You're at home with three daughters. You have a husband. Mm. promoting a book like are you able to set those boundaries and and how are you doing that given that things are even crazier than normal right now My morning routine normally consists of trying to get up a little early before the kids, getting my self-care silence in, drinking a cup of coffee or tea, and washing my face and just having a moment. There are a lot of great ways to start your day. Maybe you eat a nice healthy breakfast or meditate. But what about starting with making up your bed? Now, that doesn't really work for me because my husband is not up when I'm up. But when you make your bed in the morning, it starts a chain of daily successes. And I know this because when we are up together and we do make our beds right upon rising, I feel like the day does get off to a fresh start. What I love most about Brooklyn and Sheets is that I am more excited to walk in the room and see a freshly made bed with their beautiful sheets and offerings on them. The high quality sheets are great and at a low price. Their sheets are soft and well made, which you can't beat. And for the price, it is wonderful quality. Brooklinen was the first direct-to-consumer bedding company. They work directly with manufacturers and directly with customers. No middlemen, just a great product and service. They offer all luxury products without the luxury markup. Brooklinen also offers a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials for your lounging needs, like their classic, cool, and crisp, timeless with a matte finish, luxe, sateen, buttery, smooth cotton sheets, or my favorite, the linen, which is airy and effortlessly chic, made with the highest quality flax in the world. Needless to say, Brooklinen sheets are the perfect place to start making your mornings great. Brooklinen is so 
so confident in their product that all their bedding comes with a lifetime warranty. So get 10% off your first order and free shipping when you use promo code HeyGirl only at brooklinen.com. Brooklinen, everything you need to live your most comfortable life. Again, that's promo code HeyGirl only at brooklinen.com for 10% off your first order. You know, that's, that's the answer to that question shifts every day because it really is challenging being home with everyone and also like making the space to show up for myself as I do in my role as mother and wife and career, you know, holder. It is, it's just really interesting. And today I feel good. Today I feel at ease and today I feel at peace. And I know that every day won't be this type of day. And I think that's where self-care really plays a part in showing up in our lives is on those days when it's really challenging and when it's hard to get out of bed and when it's hard to focus and recenter. That's where we have to lean into our self-care practice. And so for me, that's been looking like sleeping in some days or rising early before the family some days, taking long, warm showers and really taking my time and letting my husband do daddy do while I really just kind of ease into the day. It's those little moments of joy Mm -hmm. that are really like kind of sparking a fire in my life and encouraging me to slow down and rest, particularly around the uprising that's happening and the, the protests and the news and the pandemic. It's like that on top of everyday life really does require permission to slow down and rest so that I can show up fully in my work, in my roles, and in my life. And I think that that's really important, especially as a Black woman, like giving myself permission to like take a step back and Mm -hmm. slow down. Yeah. I just listened to your last podcast and, you know, what an important message, like what a personal message, but also what so many of us need to hear. You know, I think this is a lifetime of work we have cut out for us and the work looks different for each of us. And I think hearing you speak to your community, your audience, to all of us and remind us that we can't do this work. If it's performative, we're not doing the work. Right, right. If we're burning the candle at all ends, we can't sustain the work. Mm. If we're policing each other's work, we can't do the work. (laughs) And so what are you excited about right now? Mm. What am I excited about? Like in this very moment, I'm very excited about the water balloons that we got the other day. Because Isla, she loves the water. So like, I'm really stoked that it's going to be a hot day today. She gets to put on her bathing suit and we're going to go outside and throw these water balloons around and have fun. So that's a moment of joy for me. And in the long term, I'm really anxious and looking forward to what After the Rain does in the world. I have really, really high hopes for this book and more so because I want it to touch as many people as it can. And I want folks to see themselves in the work and on the page. And I think that it can speak to so many different avenues of life. And I'm just really, really excited about being a part of the team at Chronicle, being an author there, being in community with you all. And I'm excited that you're excited for me and like having that 
support in my work is monumental and it has changed me and it changed also how I looked at myself and my work. I was actually just having a conversation with a girlfriend about the difference between self-publishing, which I did for my first few projects, and then traditional publishing. And before Chronicle, I didn't have the best experience with traditional publishing. But now being with you all, it's like, this is what I've been missing. I just am truly grateful and humbled and honored that After the Rain is going to be coming out through you guys and Encourage is also going to be coming out, which is the partner journal in 2021. And like, there's just so much richness and I just feel really abundant and blessed to be in this work, especially now. Mm, Absolutely. And, you know, I was just thinking the same thing. We could never have predicted, you know, what this year would have looked like, but these are the tools that we need for this time. They are both timeless, you know, mm-hmm. they are they are not rooted in the moment, but they are so necessary for this moment and, you know, I think the fact that these works are coming out when they're coming out, I'm so proud to have them on our list and as a house chronicle is so proud to stand behind them and I can't wait to share them with the world. I can't wait to see what's next for you and, you know, I think of our partnership as a true partnership. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't end when the on sale date hits. It's something, you know, I hope that we can work together for many, many years and put out lots of big girl books together. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of big girl books together. Yes to that. So before we wrap up our time together, you know, I cannot let you go without talking about self-care. So how does self-care show up in your life at work and outside of work? How are you filling up your cup? Mm -hmm. At work, it looks like asking for help, I think. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that I am not good at that personally or professionally. You Mm -hmm. know, I am sort of the classic, like, smile and get it done and not complain. And, you know, I think that that's a very, it's something that a lot of women do. And so being honest about, you know, I have too much on my plate, or I'm not going to get to this, or just making sure that I'm carving out enough time to give um, my work the attention it deserves. I think that that just communication, I think Mm -hmm. communication so that I have the space to breathe. And, you know, I, that's when we put out our best books is when we can give them the best attention. Personally, for me, self-care has always been the natural world. So, you know, I grew up in New York City in an apartment. I, you know, did not have access to the outdoors except during the summers. And I love New York so, so much. It is my home. It will always be my home. But in my 20s, I realized like it wasn't my place. Hmm. It wasn't my place in the world. Um, I was always trying to like drag my friends to the country to go hiking. (laughs) Nobody wanted to do that with me. And I realized like I just wasn't feeling or being my best self there anymore. And I packed my car up and I drove out to the Bay Area where I had some family and friends. And You drove? I drove cross country. That's actually when I reunited with Andrew, my fiance, soon to be husband, who I had met as a camp counselor many, many years prior. But we sort of reconnected on that drive when he was living in Colorado and I stopped and visited him. Wow. I know. I know. (laughs) I'm smiling so hard. Yes. I love that. So in so many ways, it was a transformative journey because I, you know, re-met the love of my life. I Mm. was independent, you know, for somebody who I'm 
an extrovert. I love being around people. And I was largely by myself on this drive. And I think physically moving myself was actually a really important transition, mental transition, like Mm -hmm. driving instead of flying. Like I can't really imagine after 27 years of living in New York, like I think it would have been really hard for me to like wake up in New York and go to sleep in San Francisco Mm -hmm. in one and just be like, that was my move. I think the sort of like slow physical pacing of going across the country was an important part of my process of leaving that world behind and starting this new life. But that's a long way of saying that being in the Bay Area where time in the outdoors is just so much a part of the culture here and it's so much easier to do. I've found that, you know, I can work all day in my office in San Francisco and then still go for a short hike in the Oakland Hills near my home after work. And that's just when I feel stress, when I feel my body tightening or myself shutting down without fail, if I can get myself outside to move my body to be in trees or even on the beach that immediately sustains me. And then I think the other thing is silence. I think, you know, I I went to a Quaker school and for people who don't know about Quakerism, silent meeting is a sort of central tenant of Quakerism. And twice a week as a school, we would all sit in silence for a half an hour. And it's a really amazing. I mean, you just imagine, you know, like hundreds of kids between the ages of 13 and 18 in the middle of New York City, mm. coming together and just sitting completely quietly for 30 minutes. It's pretty radical. And I think that was sort of the beginning of me finding myself in silence and being able to sort of tune into my thoughts. You know, there's so much noise in the world. There's so much, it's so easy to distract ourselves, whether it's conversation or our phones or watching TV or whatever it is. There's so much stimulation. Yeah. Um, And being quiet is really, really hard. And I think, you know, then through my work with Buddhism, we meditated in the office every day at noon. And we had these amazing teachers from all different disciplines within the Buddhist tradition um, come to the office and lead us in meditations. And I think that I wish I built more space for that into my life because I think just periods of quiet, whether it's in nature, sitting, meditating. It's so important because I think otherwise it's really hard to even know where my mind is. Thanks for listening to the show today. Please rate, subscribe, and review. Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. Music is by DC's own Kokai. Hey Girl Podcast is produced by Wayne Bertram and me, Alex L.